you know, my father used to say, whatever you do, do it 100%. When you work, work. When you laugh, laugh. When you watch a movie, watch the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Green Book. Welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Green Ant, Rick Barrasso. And I, uh, the, big, the Big Green the Big green Boski. The Re- Big Rick. Green Boski. The Big Book Boski. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Green Bookski. Uh, <laughs> we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help. Uh, figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing Phantasmo. How about yourself? I'm doing tremendous. Do you know how many movies I've watched since the last time that we've recorded? I've seen uh, show favorite Timothy Chalamet in Dune. Uh, I've seen uh, uh, Halloween Kills. I've seen you know sequel to an episode of Halloween Kills. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I saw The Eternals, all of which that I liked to one level or another. You're so a I'm, you're, you're a movie buff energized about the filmic arts right now so today we're opening that green book of weirdly uh weird racial dynamics uh to talk about green book today but let's take care of some business first last week we talked about drive and that was a very fun episode about a movie neither of us had seen before so check that one out uh, or any of our library for that matter. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, subscribe and review if you can. It is extremely, extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed that episode or any of our episodes, and or if you have anything you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, Bruce Wayne, our old driving partner, our guy who took us through the deep south, tell your friends about us. So now let's get a controversial Oscar win over Spike Lee with Green Book. Green Book. Rick, Rick's starting early. He's starting early and he's not correct. Keep going. Oh, we're going to talk about it. We so will. Green Book is a 2018 biographical drama directed by Peter Farrelly of Dumb and Dumber fame. Uh, it stars Viggo Mortensen as Tony Vallelonga, a.k.a. Tony Lip, Mahershala Ali as Don Shirley, and Linda Cardellini as Dolores Vallelonga. It grossed $321.8 million on a $23 million budget. It has an 8.2 on IMDb, a 77% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 69% on Metacritic. Ebert says, I died before this came out, so I don't have an opinion on it. Leonard Yo, he, he always <laughs> says shit like that. He always. Ever since like 2016, he's been like these quotes, like, I'm dead. Please stop asking me about movies. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> Let me rest. No, but uh, Leonard Malton says, Green Book is the kind of movie that leaves you with a feeling of elation. That doesn't happen enough. And when it does, 
It's often accompanied by a heavy dose of sentiment. Not this time. This is pure entertainment. Peter Travers says, thanks to the dream team of Mortensen and Ali, both giving Oscar caliber performances, audiences will be rightly cheering this hilarious and heartfelt true story of a black musician and his racist driver on a 1960s tour of the Deep South. For a negative one, uh, A.O. Scott from the New York Times says, there's not much here you haven't seen before and very little that can't be described as crude, obvious, and borderline offensive, even as it tries to be uplifting and affirmative. Green Book, when did you first see it? Um, you know, I think I want to say we watched it a few months ago. Uh, I came home from work and just kind of in a crappy mood and tired. And I was just flicking through movies and I saw a green book and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to see this. I hear there's like a lot of, uh, Oscar worthy performances on here. I heard a very good movie. Plus I'm a big Viggo Mortensen fan. Let's watch it. And we sat there and, <clears throat> And we, you know, obviously this was this was a wreck choice. Um, we thoroughly enjoyed it. It really caught me off guard because I didn't really know what it was about. Um, I, I guess I knew a little bit more than what I what I knew with Drive, but it just looked interesting to me. I said, "What what is this movie about?" And everything, and it just it took me for a ride, and I didn't know what to expect. And by the end of it, I was in tears, and I just felt really good after watching. And I just thought, "Wow." <laughs> that's just me. And then the G felt the same way. So that's why I chose. It. I thought it was a, a nice movie. So let me tell you the worst thing that could have possibly happened in this movie. Winning best picture at the Oscars. Uh, I don't think that I, I still don't. To me, the Oscars still don't really matter. So it just doesn't really. I, I don't, I, I don't I, care. I you. you know what I mean? Like who cares? Right. I hear you. But what I'm saying is not that the Oscars in and of themselves are important but the increased scrutiny that was put on this movie as a result of winning best picture is the worst thing that could happen. Well, looking at it from afar, you're like, okay, it won because it's a fucking clickbait. It's an Oscar bait movie. Right. It's but, but for me, for me personally is the performances are incredible. And therefore yes. that, that alone can, can push a movie up to Oscar status. I understand that it I, probably won because of its content. I understand I, that. I agree. And we're going to talk about this way more in detail in our Oscar segment. So we're, we're definitely going to get there. Okay. But my general take on this is this is a pretty good movie with two very good performances. If this, let's do this. If this movie came out five to 10 years beforehand and was the exact same movie, it comes out in a totally different world because right. you have to kind of take into account what's going on in society at that time and whether or not this is the right movie that we want to say, this is what represents we as, you know, movie people and Hollywood and the industry. That's our take on race in America right now, but we'll get to that in more detail. Let's talk about the movie itself on its own merits. All right. Cause that's what we do here. Yep, that's what we do. Let's find out what happens in this movie. And Derek, I feel like you have quite a few choices for an appropriate song for this movie to time I, me out here. Honestly, I was, uh, I, I, I'm a big Steely Dan fan. And I remember on their last album back in 03, they had a song called green book and I just was listening to that. So that's the one I'm going to pick for this one. Right, and that will it. be added to the playlist that I'm going to make. All right. Excellent. All right. Count. Three, two, one, Joe. 
Tony Vallelonga, an Italian man with racist tendencies from the Bronx, is hired to drive Dr. Don Shirley, a brilliant black pianist, on a tour through the American South in the early 60s. Throughout their journey, the two men start to understand more about each other's culture and character. They run into multiple issues of the law owing to Shirley's status as a black and gay man, as well as Tony's temper. After a two-month-long tour, they return to New York in time for Christmas Eve, Tony welcoming Dr. Shirley into his house for the Christmas holiday. All right, 27. All right. So yeah, it's a this movie is, I feel like, very straightforward for the most part. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I when I watched the first time, I was like, okay, who's gonna die? But I realized that obviously it was based on a true story, and I yeah. I know the actor Tony Lip. I've seen him in quite a few things. Um, in the middle of the movie, I was looking up trivia and realized, wow, this movie is based on an actor that I actually know, which is kind of funny. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I I didn't know where it was gonna go some of the time. I just thought it was, you know, uh, I don't know. I just I I didn't really know where it was gonna go, and I, I liked that. At the, by the end of the movie, I was kind of glad where it went. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a nice Sunday drive of a movie. I feel like it's it's like this movie is like that review that I read. Like it feels you with you know leaves you with a feeling of elation and like yeah you can feel really good about yourself after watching this movie. Um, so yeah, I mean I I get it. It's a, it's a it's a very feel good movie. I feel like yeah, and and, and it, it doesn't always do that. The ending makes up for some of the parts in this movie that are um, pretty devastating. You know, there is some, there's a lot of, I mean, again, this whole, if anyone's not seen this movie, it's, it's very racial. It, that's the point. But it's racial in very, yes, there's some, some stuff in it. You know, you're, you're going to see examples of racism, but I feel like the, for the most part, there are a few exceptions. It's very, it's not very nuanced. Like you're either a racist at heart and you're a, you're like a piece of shit, or it's like actually, even though, you know, like how many fucking Italian guys like Tony Lip do you know in real life that would describe himself? No, I'm not racist. You know, deep down, I might say racist things, but fucking deep down, I'm a great guy. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know a lot of people who are kind of like that. I mean, um, it's sad, but it's weird yeah. because it, because uh, Tony Lip is like he's he's obviously racist, but he's like. I don't know, like even earlier in the movie, like he does some some crappy things. But then later, like even earlier in the movie, he's still like, well, I'm still going to take the job. Yeah. I feel like if he was like really racist, he wouldn't even go near him. But I mean, obviously things change throughout the movie big time with his, yeah. you know. So let's uh, let's talk about our favorite things uh, in this movie. Uh, let's talk about our top three scenes. Uh, so Derek, what is your uh, what is your number three scene? This was kind of tough because there's a lot of moments that I really enjoy in this, and yeah. they're not necessarily scenes. But um, the one scene that kind of caught me off guard when I first saw it was the scene where Tony is informed that Dr. Shelley is at like you know the YMCA and he gets caught with like yeah. a guy, and there's two cops in there, obviously homophobic and racist and all this stuff, and Tony goes in there and he handles it very well for somebody like him, which is let me pay these guys off because that's how I that's just how I learned in my life how to get out of situations, yeah. um, and he you know he gets Dr. Shelley out of there and Shelley's like. I did nothing wrong, basically. And, and, and Tony does this great thing where I didn't know I didn't know where <clears throat> where he stood in this situation. But he turns around on the steps and he's like, I understand that this is a complicated world. Yeah. And coming from somebody like Tony, I thought that was just brilliant. Like, wow, he he 
he's what much more dimensional than we think he is. Like he, he understands. And he just, at this point, I think it's like the middle of the movie, but he's starting to understand that like, this is a guy, you know, people can do whatever they want. You know, I, you know, all I know is I need to keep this guy safe. And it's, it's, I love that line in the stairs when he turns around and says that it's just great. I just, I felt so bad for both characters in that moment. I just like, you know, <clears throat> you know, cause you find out earlier, Dr. Shelley was married. And then he just seems so lonely. And then he's with this guy in the shower and he gets beaten by these cops and Tony gets him out of there. And, 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 you know, and then basically you, you think, I really thought that Dr. Shelley was going to be like, you know, Dr. Shirley, Sh- Shirley, I'm sorry. Yeah. Dr. Shirley was going to be, you know, say something like, uh, you know, you don't understand. And, and, and Tony being like, I don't understand. It's fucking gross. You know what I mean? Something like that, but he didn't because he understands. And I, I think that's just a really important scene in the movie. Yeah. So my number three scene is a very different scene, a very short scene, but it it made me like belly laugh. Uh, and that's when uh, Tony Lip flips off like the racist couple in the car. Without even looking. Without, yeah. <laughs> like you think you've had a couple of these scenes where it's just like, oh, we're going to see like Dr. Shirley's going to get very like fucking like in his own head about it. And he's like, he just kind of smiles and Tony's just like right there, buddy. Yep. And I was like, ha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. But yeah, there's just a quick, like a little quick hitter that I, I really enjoyed. It made me laugh. Uh, which number two scene? My number two is the fried chicken scene in the car. Um, it's just, it's so good. It's so quirky. It's so fun. And, you know, Tony just doesn't, he just gives no shits. When he sees the KFC in Kentucky, he's like, oh my God, what are we ever going to do this? And, you know, he gets the chicken and stuff and he's eating in the front car. His hands are all greasy and stuff. And he, you know, convinces Dr. Shirley to have some chicken in. Like you can tell like Shirley likes it and stuff. And where do we put the bone? Just throw him out the window and stuff. And then he like throws his drink out. And he makes him drive back and get it. Uh, I love those moments. Um, I, where, yeah, like, I love the, I love the thing where it's like, he's just like, Tony just being like a fucking scamp and Dr. Shirley's like, no, Tony. Like, right. Fucking don't do this, you idiot. Right. <laughs> it, it, especially with, with like the jade scene where he gets he takes yeah. that jade and they makes him bring it back, which we obviously know he doesn't. Uh it's just a feel-good scene for me. And he gives him the leg and then he's like, now what? He's like, hey, take a breast. And he's just handing chicken in the back seat. <laughs> do you when I'm supposed to get it all over my blanket? Do you have a plate? No, nah, no plates. And I think I think that's where the line is that you had mentioned before. Yeah. Where like, yeah, that, that what his father told him. We're going to get into miscellaneous later, but um, Viggo Mortensen gained a lot of weight for this movie. And from the, when I read in the trivia, he ate like a horse during the making of this movie just so that he could make sure he felt like the character. Uh, and I love that. So that's my second favorite scene. Yeah. So my number two scene is your three. Your number three. Uh, it's a scene where Tony has to bribe the cops, you know, as Dr. Shirley is caught in you know, the showers at YMCA with a man. And I think this is a this is a, a great scene because it it definitely adds a little bit of like well, I shouldn't say a little bit, but I think it adds a lot of dimension to Doctor Shirley's character uh, as as well as Tony's. Like you you said it you know beautifully before, where it's like you know, you're expecting him to go one way, doesn't you know it, it goes another way just because of his experiences to really build upon you know Doctor Shirley's feeling like the other you know, so much. You feel like he's, I think it's, it's after this where he has the scene in the rain where he, you know, says like, I'm not black enough. I'm not white enough. What am I? He feels so othered by everyone around him. And, you know, this, we now know, you know, that the character is, he has this secret, 
you know, has this you know, other aspect of himself and it, it really builds his character a lot. And I, you know, just on like a, like kind of a personal note, I barely missed a situation where I was going to a, a wedding and I didn't get there in time for this. It was like an outdoor wedding. The people who were bringing the chairs and stuff basically were like, they got it to like the place where it was. And they're like, we're not going to set it up. <laughs> we're not going to do it. They just stopped because there's like mud. They didn't want to walk through. Right. I like heard this story and I was like, oh, they need the fucking Italian. They had to fix the situation. <laughs> they need, uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wish I was there. I would have known exactly how to talk to these fucking people. Exactly. It's just like, I saw the scene. I was like, oh, yep. See, that's where. Right, right. You need to be there to fix this shit. Yep. Uh, so what's your number one scene? My number one scene is the last scene of the movie. Um, again, I didn't really know where it was going to go. I just didn't, I, you know, and, and when Shirley comes to the door and, and he opens it and he sees him there, I just think it just, it makes Tony so happy. And like, you can see it in his face that he's a, just a changed person. You, you spend some time with somebody. You don't give a shit what colors their skin is or, you know, or where their background is. You don't care because you spend time with somebody who's a decent person. That's what life is about. It's about being with people who are, you know, and, and, and being friends with people and stuff. And it's just, it's just an incredible scene. And Tony gets angry before he even comes in the door. One of his relatives calls him something derogatory. And he's like, don't call him that. Um, his wife looks at him like, wow, he's definitely changed. And he comes in the house and he gives him that big hug and the wife gives him the big hug. And it's like, it's just the, the feel good moment of like the century for me. And, and I'm sure that this moment for me is very close to, Maybe not as close. I know how personal uh, that scene is from It's a Wonderful Life is for you, but it's so emotional to me that I can't not watch that scene and not tear up because it's like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you know, I'm with you because like, you know, they have like the seafood, they have like the Italian family around. It's like, oh, it's like, this is like, I know this. I I know this situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you bring someone new into that situation, in this case, it's a friend. But it's kind of the same thing. This is like kind of an honorable mention for me. I did want to mention it. Yeah, just like the feeling of like, oh, your family's around, you know, like fucking around. It's like, here's this person. Like if you bring a girl to like a family Christmas for the first time or, you know, a new friend or something like that. It's like you kind of get that like, hey, this is like and you just like, oh, you just want them to be accepted. And it's such a great, great scene captures that. One thing I didn't like about this, scene, though, the very last line, if they cut this movie off, Dolores hugs him and then they like pan out and it's like okay we're all together and this is fun it's such a it's a weird way to end the movie on like kind of a joke yeah uh, it, like that's that's the only and it, like it's very nitpicky but that's like the reason that didn't make my list because it's like this big emotional scene and it's like oh by the way it, it like it, it, that didn't land for for me okay uh, I didn't even even it didn't even bother me yet. I didn't even notice it but yeah my number one scene is the scene at the Orange Bird, the uh, the uh, restaurant run by black people in Birmingham. Dr. Shirley kind of brings the two sides of himself that he can't square away into this performance. There, uh, it, It's just, uh, I, I think it's a great scene because you see him finally sort of open up and like, you know, play, you know, sort of a different style and join in and kind of like let his hair down metaphorically speaking for the first time in the in the whole movie the the, i i like uh tony in this as well where he's just you know this guy yeah you know like the scene where it's like you they asked me to cop so what do i look irish and i was like yeah it's (laughs) 
I mean, we're going to talk, I mean, Viggo Mortensen, I'm sure, is going to meddle for both of us, but it's like, you, he is, he embodies this, like, type of guy. It's yeah. Like, I, could, I know a bunch of people who make that same joke. Right, right, right. But yeah, I just, I just love the scene. It was, it was really, it was very happy. And then at the end where it's like, you know, let's get you home for Christmas, basically. Yep. And, you know, you have the, uh, the thing where like Tony, yeah, he's had a gun the whole time. And like, they were, yeah, it was going to be, yeah, I, I, I kind of had a bad feeling. I was like, oh, are they really going to fucking like, he's going to get robbed. Like after all this shit that he's right. like stood up. And I was like, no, it's like, they get, they get each other's back. And I was like, oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I like yeah, that. And, and yeah, and, and an honorable mention is the scene after that when they're driving home and that that it's amazing how film can do this to you. But the scene where the cop pulls them over just because something wrong with the car and he's like, oh, you know, like, he's a he's a good cop. He's doing yeah. his job. It's amazing how that scene where it's just people are being normal can make me emotional. Right. When you're surrounded by a lot of, you know, racism. And it's just like, no, they're just, you know, go, go in your merry way. Like, have, Merry Christmas. For some reason, it just made me, like, choke up. Like, uh, uh, people are being yeah. nice to each other. It's it's crazy how they can, you know, yeah. that's something that simple can make you emotional, you know. Because there, I mean, there is, you know, maybe this, this movie doesn't take, like, the nuanced look at racism that other movies do. But, like, you know what? Segregation in the Deep South did happen up mm-hmm. to the fucking 60s, like within our parents' lifetime, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, at, at some point you, you do want to be like, why, like, why are we just letting this fucking happen? Like, would this just, like, yeah, you know what? This doesn't answer our questions completely, but this is so fucking flagrant. And to see that not happen, it, it is just like a, like, let that breath out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that, I mean, I'm not going to compare now to the 60s because I know the 60s was a whole different yeah. can of worms. But um, it really is amazing that like people lived in that decade where like we, people were literally separated. Um, it's just it's it's kind of I mean, it's just it's disgusting in a lot of ways. You you, you everybody who watches knows me. I, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, big Beatles fan. One thing I always like to bring up and I, I read this a few years ago is that the Beatles had written in their contract that they uh, would not play a show if it was segregated. And they were the first band to like really come out and say that. And a lot of English bands followed suit after that. But they were like, if we see a, if we don't see a mix out there, like we're not we're not fucking playing. I thought that was pretty cool. So like, I'm glad that there were there were people in, in the '60s like yeah. around the time to like trying to make the change. Of course, MLK. I mean, <laughs> you know. Sure, but so that's what we liked about it. Let's talk about our least favorite part of the movie. What is your least favorite part here? I had a hard time with this because I I like this movie a lot and 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 um. I guess the only thing I could think of, and this is a cop out, but I, I guess it is a little Oscar baity and I, and I get it, but I, I think the story still should be told, you know? And I think that like, when you make a movie like this and it does get uh, high praise, people look at it like, well, they only made it because they want to get an Oscar. And it's like, well, you know, then maybe no movie should be made because every movie wants to get merit, you know? And it's like, I get the, the argument and I get whatever it won, da, 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 like, but for me, it was like, it was a surprise. And that's why I'm kind of glad it got what it got. Um, actually, I would have, ra- and we'll talk about this later, but I would have rather have gotten Vigo the Oscar than this movie winning the Oscar personally. Yes, um, but- I, I agree with that one thousand percent. And again, I'm glad it won because I love this movie. But again, I'm just saying like, We'll talk again. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, my, I guess I, I yeah. guess my worst is just yeah, it's Oscar Beatty. I I don't dislike anything in this film really. I just I just don't. So I, that was tough for me. So my 
thing that I sort of, you know, my least favorite part of this is there is some contention as to how much of this movie is a true story, how much of their relationship is, is necessarily true. Because there's a lot, uh, there's a lot about Donald Shirley that his family claims is just 100% false and really changed the story. Let's read quickly from, there's an article, uh, time.com. Floodgates opened even wider in December when Shadow and Act published an interview with the family of Donald Shirley. The family said that Nick Vallelonga and his creative team had completely left them out of the filmmaking process, and the film was filled with falsehoods. Dr. Maurice Shirley, Donald's brother, and I'll take that they mentioned the brother a couple times in the movie, how they're, uh, yeah, they're not speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dr. Maurice Shirley, Donald's brother, called it, quote, a symphony of lies. Family took offense to the film's depiction of Shirley being isolated from both the black community, citing his involvement in the Selma March, and his own family. Quote, there was, there was not a month where I didn't have a phone call conversation with Donald, Marie Shirley said in the interview. The most, but their most glaring accusation tore into the movie's central tenet, that Donald Shirley and Tony Vallelonga were even friends. It was an employer-employee relationship, Maurice's wife Patricia said. Shirley disagrees with this on, 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 uh, yes, yeah. that is the next paragraph. I was getting yep. to the true nature of the relationship remains murky, but an interview outtake with Donald Shirley from a 2011 documentary, uh, last Bohemia appears to support the strength of their bond. I trusted him implicitly. Shirley said of Valonga, Tony, not only was he my driver, we never had an employer employee relationship. Uh, we got to be friendly with one another. Family's criticism prompted a defense from Nick Vallelonga, who said that Donald Shirley told him not to speak with anyone else about the film before he died, and Farrelly, who said that efforts were made to contact the family before filming. Ali, Marshall Ali, meanwhile, apologized and said he would have consulted family members if he had known that they were alive. What he said was, if I have offended you, I'm so terribly sorry, Donald Shirley's nephew Edwin said of Ali in Shadow and Act. I did the best I could with the material I had. There's a lot of murkiness around what exactly this is. And it just, and it, it honestly, whether or not it's exactly what their relationship is, is kind of secondary to my biggest problem with it. This is a movie about uh, a black experience that did not consult with the black people who were closest to the experience that they could have. Okay. And that that's where it comes in. Like, it's very much to me, a movie where some, you know, Northern white guys got together and they said, racism is bad. And they're right. They're hundred percent right. Of course. But they said, this is sort of our take on it. This is our voice. This is like a white guy's voice as to why racism is bad when they could have potentially consulted the the black family that was actually affected by it so that's 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 where i'm coming from on it and again this is a situation where this movie was 10 you know 2008 instead of 2018 we'd be having a totally different conversation about it moving on from that let's go to medals who's your bronze medal winner peter farrelly what Mm -hmm. what yeah like what like if you if you i wouldn't have guessed in a million years a farrelly brother directed this movie and that's just 
you know, I, I think I think uh, Marshall Ali even mentioned he's like he has 25 years experience, but this is like his first movie. Like the way he worded it was kind of like, you know, I just didn't expect it. And it's kind of weird how I think it's just this Farley brother. I didn't see anything about the brother. Yeah. So it seems like a solo project, which is interesting. But I, 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 I just really, really liked his direction and stuff. And if you go back and you watch a movie like Dumb and Dumber and then go back and look at this, like they're two very different movies in how they're filmed and the camera shots and things like that. So he, he really took a, a, a giant step here. And I think, um, you know, he's got a really bright future in making more dramatic movies. I think he does it really well. There wasn't any moments where I was like, eh, I could tell a comedic director did this. He was even trying to tone back the comedic parts of the movie. And, and, and one thing that I love is Viggo Mortensen was like, listen, I have to eat that whole pizza and fold it. Yeah. And Peter's like, we have too many funny things. He's like, you know what? Fine. I'll try it. Vigo. And Vigo did it in bed. And he's like the whole crew died laughing. So I had to keep it in there. Um, so it's kind of interesting to me that Peter Farrelly wanted to like tone back the comedy, but Vigo is so good at playing this part that it was hard not to be funny. Um, but he gets my bronze. Yeah, no, mine, mine as well. Uh, Peter Farrelly, he is now can direct drama. Like he can direct anything and that's huge. There are so many people who are pigeonholed into a specific genre. Like a few weeks ago, we talked Scream and you know, Wes Craven so desperately wanted to make like a non-horror movie, but he was just the horror guy and he got to do like one and it flopped. And then for the rest of his life, he just did horror movies. Right. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you know, Peter Farrelly can walk back and, you know, he can do another comedy whenever he wants, you know, um, now he can do drama. So, I mean, absolutely good for him. Bronze medal, well-deserved. Who is your silver? My silver is Maharshal Ali. Yep. And he is incredible in this. And I have seen some other performances of his, and he's a very versatile actor. And, to you know, to to go from playing like uh, hard hard men to 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 this lighter, much more uh, dimensional character, it's it's very it's just very wonderful to watch. And uh, he doesn't miss a beat in this movie. He's he's excellent, and you feel for him at every on every step of the way. Um, even just you know sitting there drinking wine by himself, you know, and and just the the small nuances in his face and the the, the pain he's going through and. You know, feeling, you know, he, he he seems a little stuck up when when, you know, Tony first meets him and stuff and kind of puts Tony down at the way he talks and things like this. And uh, but they both come to an understanding of each other at the end. And that's what's kind of cool. It, it's sort of like the odd couple, you know, right. that's sort of like that story there. But um, yeah, Ali, he's just he's he's tremendous. And there's no I mean, of, of course, he wins the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. His second one. Keep in mind. Um Good for him. Excellent performance. You know, one of the best of the year easily. So he's my silver. Yeah. Um, Herschel Ali, uh, my silver as well. It is a great performance. You know, he goes, he, he's so great in this as playing very reserved, but mm. you can kind of tell that's the mask that he's putting on. Right. You know, and it, it just, it finally breaks down in that restaurant where he's just like, no, I'm going to eat in here or I'm walking. Yep. And he just like, he does such a great job of cracking that mask a little bit, you know, even when he's, you know, it, arrested, you know, it like Tony is all id and uh, Don is just all super ego. Like, he's just like, I have to control myself. I have to do it. Um, and I, I think it's, it's just a, 
you know, it's just a tremendous performance. And I think uh, for gold, of course, um, Sebastian you know, Maniscalco, of course. Yeah, yes, naturally. Uh, Manis- I was thinking either uh, Maniscalco or, uh, you know, that that one racist cop who gets punched in the face. <laughs> yes. Um, no, but of course, Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, and uh, that was, I think that's, I mean, again, I love this story. I love this movie, but I, he's Aragorn. He is Aragorn yes. to me. And then I saw him do this and I was like, I've seen him in Eastern Promises and he's excellent in that movie. But when I saw him in this, I was like, I whoa like there's Have you not ever a... seen the prophecy no he plays satan oh yeah i remember reading about it yep yeah he's fucking creepy as fuck he's he's incredible in that i, I think he's like hollywood's secret fucking amazing actor like not a lot of people really give him credit but i think that now i want to go back and watch you know history of violence eastern promises all yeah. these movies he's been in because he's uh he's you know he's just Aragorn is is a performance where you know he he did a very very good job with what he had, but Aragorn's not like a standout, like he's not like the Joker. Aragorn's a different character, so like yeah. it's not one of those characters you're probably going to win an Oscar for. Um, but I mean, but he, to be fair to Aragorn, I would have followed him into the very fires of Mordor. Of Mordor. <laughs> I'm glad we both said it the same <laughs> exact way. Um, seriously, look, uh, this might be one of my top ten performances I've ever seen. Uh, he everything that he does is is perfect. Uh, the way he eats, the way he looks, the way he says his words. Uh, nothing about this performance makes me think that he phoned it in. He, yeah. you know, and I can, and I, I honestly feel like Vigo receiving an award. He's so artistic in that, like he's like, this is for art. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you know, that's just his personality too. Like I said, he could walk into my super like the most Italian part of my family is like dinner and fit right in yeah yep and like he, he nothing rings false in this performance seriously and that's what i was uh when we back when we did goodfellas i think i had just seen green book for the first time and i decided to make my jimmy conway vigo mortensen because i was like yeah. why the fuck not i just saw him yeah. in green book and i think he can do anything now yeah i i think at that point he could just do absolutely anything and i'm so unbelievably impressed with him that I, how could he not be your number one in this movie. Yeah, it's you know it's a well-deserved best actor nomination that he gets and he he just kills it like he's for, for if you don't know someone like this you'd look at that and go he's a cartoon right you know right but it's like no 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 this is like i said i know a dozen guys just like this who would i'm sure all watch this movie and fucking love it and like and i've seen yeah. performances of non-italian actors doing italian people and yeah. sometimes it's good sometimes it's not yeah. i literally had to look up and see he, maybe he's is a little he, italian you know he? what i mean because yeah. it's so good yes yeah, he having fish on christmas seriously happening here seriously. Yeah. all right so the next uh the next one is recasting but i actually did not do a recasting what i did is I took one of your ideas and I shifted over to an alternate universe. This is not a true story. Ah, right. And I am going to tell you what happens to Tony Lip. Okay. In the in the in my alternate history. So he does not become the the uh, the head of the New York no. crime family in The Sopranos. Well, well, no, no, he doesn't. But he does join the mob. He joins the mob in earnest. But he flames out quickly after he refuses to kill a black man who owes money. Mm. 
all the while he's raising his sons to be huge eaters like he is. <laughs> now, after killing, after refusing rather to kill that man, he and his family have to leave New York to escape his employers. And they have to change their name. Now, remembering the story he heard in this movie about Nat King Cole and it was around Christmas, he starts thinking the Christmas song and he changes his last name to Chestnut. His son grows up to be Joey Chestnut. Fuck you. The hot dog eating world record holder. I hate you. <laughs> and they all live happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Well, uh, clap, clap, clap. Um, yep. I only recasted Dr. Shirley. Yeah. Here, I, here's the thing. It's the movie's so recent that I was just looking at it and I was just like, these are just these guys contemporaries, you know? I, so yeah, I, I will say up front, and this is the first time I think I've done this, that I don't think I, I did not recast Tony lip because I, Per, honestly, personally, don't think that anybody could have done it better than Viggo Mortensen. And before before we do this, I just want to say, for fans of the recasting portion of the show, next week we're doing Harry Potter. That's oh my god, fucking crazy! I don't know if you guys remember the last episode where I said that Danny Glover should be Harry Potter, and Rick's line, which made me <laughs> laugh every night this week when I think Dan, about it. Wait, Dan, Danny Glover should be Harry Potter? Yeah, and you remember what you said? You're like, my parents oh, yeah, are too yeah. dead for this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. How are we going to do that? Are we going to cast the kids? I don't know. I, no, I don't... no kids. I'm okay. doing Hogwarts professors. Hogwarts, okay. I'm, I'm down with that completely. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, so, yeah, my Dr. Shirley, I, I went through three different actors who I was considering. Um, one of them is a, just above the others. I'll give you my honorable mentions who could have played yeah. Dr. Shirley. Um, my third, I think Donald Glover could have pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a different role for him, but I think he would have nailed it. The other he's, one, if he if he's ten years older, then absolutely, one hundred percent. Yep. And then another one I thought of, and I thought this would be one of those performances that would put him on in the stratosphere, and that is Michael B. Jordan because he's already on his way to the yeah. stratosphere. But I ended up going with Lakeith Stanfield. Yes, one of I my think, favorites, a Rick's yep, guy. Yep, he's a Rick's guy. I think that he would have do do the role justice just as well, just as Ali did. So that was, and again, you know. Tony Lip, I, I don't know. I just, I was thinking about it. I, I was thinking about Bobby Cannavale. I was thinking about guys who are Italian, but I don't yeah. know. I just can't. I just, this is the first time I just can't. I'm stuck. Maybe Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt about it as well. I was like, this, it's like a two hander. Like, there are really only two roles in this movie that are like meaty enough to, to recast. Right. You know? Yep. And it's like, it's not going to be as fun as it normally is for, for this, because right. it's like, it, for, you're just going to take it out for like a lesser version of this type of performance with, with Tony lip. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I came out three years ago. It's kind of tough. And yeah, uh, it's, it's not going to be like, Oh, somebody else can do this from like a different generation. Like no, it doesn't work, but I, I, I hear you. Yeah. There, there, I think uh, this stuff, but yeah, next week going to be so much fun to recast Hogwarts professors. Yes, absolutely. I have I I have a I have an idea of a theme for for my recasting. A theme? Yeah, so famously and we'll talk about it next week. Robin Williams wanted to play Hagrid. I I, th I literally thought of that as we started talking about Harry yeah. Potter. He so he he wanted to play Hagrid, but they said no, you can't be it because you're not British. And every <sighs> every actor in this has to be British. 
Right, right. Because, or, at because least, or at least from the British Isle. Because he didn't sound completely authentic as a Scottish woman to Mrs. Doubtfire. hundred percent. Yes. Come on. Robin Williams should have played Hagrid. Right. No, I agree. So I'm thinking, what if it's all non-Brits for me? Not a single British person. Not Brit. Okay, that's there's, cool. There's Non-Brits. one actor, and I'll bring it up in one role where I'm like, I might break that rule and have one British person, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll go we'll get to it next week. I can't okay. wait. That's I'm actually I'm looking very forward to that one. Sounds good. Uh so do you have any uh, miscellaneous? Yes, I do. Uh, a few different things that I really, really liked. Um, we had talked about the disagreement between the Shirley family, uh, uh, Shirley and, and his family and everything. And we, we talked about that or you brought that up right with the recording and everything. So we don't know. We really don't even know what the relationship really was at this point. because right. Disagreements. But um, I, there is a, a bit of information that I love. And that is that Vigo Mortensen uh, during the hot dog eating scene, actually ate 15 hot dogs um, when he probably didn't even need to. And he just they and, show him eating like two. Yeah. And he actually <laughs> did it. And, you know, he eats 26 in the movie, but 15 hot dogs is a lot of hot dogs. I'm sure I'm sure he was farting for like a day and a half. That's, um, that's a lot of dogs. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I've eaten 15 hot dogs in the last 15 years, to be honest. Really? You're not a hot dog I, guy? Not, I, I am. But I, I like Jen is not a hot dog person. Mm-hmm. But like. And maybe, maybe like I have like one or two hot dogs a year. Maybe, maybe, maybe fifteen. They're not That's good for you. Like it's just they're, like oh, they're bad for it, you. It, it's I when I have a hot dog and some ketchup or some mustard, I get a fucking headache afterwards every time. I'm like something's up with this. Like I shouldn't be eating this. <laughs> but um, so yeah, Viggo Mortensen's an absolute perfectionist. I read that he did the milk chugging scene three times because he's like, I just don't feel like I'm holding the milk right. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you serious? Uh. I love yeah, that stuff. Here, Farrell is like, I film people farting. For right, like, right, just, right. Like, just do whatever. Like, Vigo's like, no, no, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right. Yeah, and and the other the other miscellaneous that I loved is uh, the food he ate while he was getting fat or bigger was the pasta, pizza, all Italian food. And I read that like he used to pile on that food as much as he could. He'd get into his car, he would drive away, go find a, a secluded area pull the seat back and just unbutton his pants and just groan for hours. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there, Vigo. <laughs> welcome to uh, Italian American world. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to being a fat Italian. I'm sure at this point, he's not a big fan of Italian. I'm sure he's like, I can't eat Italian food for a while. What if that's all he can eat? What if like we've, we've like, we see Vigo in like his, his real life and he's put on like 150 pounds. He knows like, all the, he knows the all the pastas by heart. Yeah. He's like, I only eat fusilli. That's it. Yeah, like he's he's one of those guys. He's like he's like, oh, what kind of sauce you have? We need this fucking pasta for that. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's get to the Oscars. Um, so this wins Best Picture. It wins Best Supporting Actor for Mahershala Ali. It wins Best Supporting, or excuse me, Best Original Screenplay, and it wins. Or it's nominated for Best Actor and Best Editing. So let's cover the major categories for this year obviously best picture green book wins other nominees black panther black klansman bohemian rhapsody the favorite roma a star is born and vice hell of a year yeah pretty good year so now before you say what you're gonna yeah, say yeah you, you've seen black klansman yes i have not are there performances in that movie as good as green book uh they're very different they're okay. very different. It's t- it's tough to compare direct performance to direct performance in this because Vigo goes so big in this and 
the performance in Black Klansmen are, uh, are are a little bit more reeled in, I guess, mm-hmm. and not in a bad way. Like John David Washington is great in that movie. Adam Driver is great in that movie. Um, it's and I, I think like with the Oscars, you do have to put yourself in the zeitgeist in the time of what we were dealing with as a society back then, you know? So we were, and still are in a moment in sort of the racial history of the United States that we should have been looking at it with a bit more nuance, trying to hear the voices of the people that were most affected by it by black people who were seeing other black people killed by police on camera at such a regular pace. And I know this is like a fun podcast, but this is something where you have to look at where art should reflect society, in my opinion. Now, this movie, and it's it sounds like more of a criticism than of the movie than I mean it, because I do like this movie. It's a, it just doesn't work on the level that something like Black Klansman does. And you have Black Panther coming out that year as well, which is like a celebration of, for lack of a better term, Black excellence, right? When the Academy looks at that and says, we're going to take the white guy's version of this, that's a statement on what Hollywood, what the Academy is thinking at that moment. And, you know, I... Black Klansman is great in an entirely different way, but it to me, it says more about what was happening in society at that moment and up to this moment, especially we're 2019, we're in the fucking depths of a Trump presidency. You know, it's, it's, it's more stuff they have to take into account. Um, in my opinion. That being said, I think Black Klansman should have won. I would also, of the movies I've seen in here, I've seen obviously Green Book, I've seen Black Panther, I've seen Black Klansman, I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody, I've seen The Favorite, and I've seen A Star is Born. I'd probably put A Star is Born above this movie as well. I haven't seen it just because it's been remade 400 times, so I don't really care. This but, is by far the best version. I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I can really... I mean... I'm I'm a classic person too, so like I I prefer Judy Garland over Lady Gaga, obviously, but maybe the film is better. I have to see them at some point. I don't have any interest, but maybe at some point, I I'm just looking at it kind of like I'm trying to put my words together. So it's kind of like Green Book. I feel, and again, I haven't seen these other movies, but Green Book has the the performances, and I think that's why sure. it won. I don't. Again, I'm I I don't know, but I feel like. That's why it won. Maybe it is some conspiracy where they're like, we're going to choose the white black. No, movie. no, no, no. I don't think it's a conspiracy. Okay. I, I, I think that it's nobody's getting, nobody's getting together in a smoky room and being like, we're going to, you know, we're going to give it to this because like, this is the, you know, this, like we think that it's, you know, Peter Farrelly, it's Peter Farrelly's time. Nobody is thinking that what I think more so is the case is that this movie 
does not challenge your perception of what racism is. It's an easy answer. And the answer in this movie is, hey, we just got to talk and get along and figure each other out. And it's more complicated than that. I don't think it's that at, at that level. I mean, it's maybe up in front. It looks like that. But there are moments in the movie that are a little bit more complex than that. It's I mean, again, the big problem with here is not only did it win, it won against Black Klansman. And Black Klansman is a movie that does not give you easy answers. Well, it's a movie it, that it, it's a movie that really understands that there are systems in place that just inviting a black person to your Christmas dinner, like it doesn't tidy. It's not, a, it's not a neat and tidy ending. I mean, I'm gonna have to see this, this movie because yes. I, what I really want to do is I want to take also take out the race, the racism out of both movies for the most part, because I don't want to compare the two just because they both have racism elements. Is it a better film than green book? That's what I really want to look at and see where the camera shots better. Is this better? Is that better? That's what I want to look at. I would also say yes to that. I would would also say yes. Okay. Because again, just because they're both similar, like, and then Black Panther is just, this is the year of all of these movies. So it's like, it's it's hard to not compare them. It's it's in the conversation. It's something that you have to take into account, as well as what's happened with society at that time specifically. And, And again, I just want to be clear. I liked this movie. Yeah. I don't think, you know, if anyone really enjoys it, if anyone's saying, you know, this absolutely should have won Best Picture, I love it. I'm not saying you're a racist. I'm not saying that, you know, you you're even you know, prejudiced against black people. Um, if, if you're looking at it like you are, Derek, and saying, like, yeah, the performances movie are great. They are. Uh, if 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 you want to sit here and make a case for Vigo to win Best Actor, which we'll talk about in a second, I'm here for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I haven't seen all these movies. All I know about yeah. the Green Book is that I like the heart that it showed um, yeah. in it, and I, you know, I, I like that a lot. And I feel like, um, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Black Plants probably looks at it a little bit more grittier in like what it really is, you know. Um, but I think this this what this movie did for me is it caught me off guard. Yeah, and that's why I so, like it so much. So, best director, Alfonso Cuarón wins for Roma. Uh, Spike Lee is nominated for Black Klansman. Uh, Pavel. Polakowski for Cold War, which I've not seen. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite, and Adam McKay for Vice. I literally it's, have no opinion because I haven't seen any of these things. So, so the I, The Favorite is very good. I'd give it to. It's weird that Peter Farrelly is not even nominated, and the movie wins Best Picture. Right. It is. It is odd. Yeah. Like, I I almost think that. Some people were like, let's split the difference and give it to give, like, I think people were like, I bet a lot of people voted for Spike Lee thinking like, oh, we'll vote for Spike Lee and then Green Book. And we'll kind of split the difference between the two, like similar subject matter. Right. Uh, but Quran, who is a great director. Uh, I mean, I've, I've not watched Roma, but I know his previous work is excellent there was sort of a run of, I think it was three years in a row where, yeah, there were, there were three Mexican directors who were close friends that all won best director. Mm-hmm. There, uh, Guillermo, like uh, Guillermo del Toro won the previous year for the shape of water. And uh, the year before that, yeah, there, there were like three 
directors who were close friends. They're all Mexican. And they was like part of that. They all won in relatively close in a reach you one in 2015 or 2016. Have you seen the shape of water? No, I've not. You've not. Okay. okay. Which is weird. It's just like, it's a movie I absolutely should have seen and I have no excuse. Well, uh, the reason I ask like, is because for, former guest, Michelle Forziati, it's like, it's like our favorite movie. She's been forcing me to watch it for years and I haven't seen it. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, we'll do it eventually. Yeah. We'll do it eventually. Now. So let's, I, the direction in this movie is good. I, I don't think there's like, I mean, it's competently made. I don't think there are any like groundbreaking shots or anything like that. I'm okay with fairly not being nominated. Like I said, the strength, we've said the strength of this movie is the performances. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, best actor, Rami Malik's uh, buck teeth, fake buck teeth win for best actor uh, for playing Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. Christian Bale is nominated as Dick Cheney in Vice. Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Willem Dafoe in At Eternity's Gate replays Vincent Van Gogh, apparently. And Vigo Mortensen as Tony Vallelonga. That is a stacked, stacked list. Stacked. Rami Malek should not have won. Well, you don't like his performance? No. It's, really? It's a Saturday Night Live impression. Really? Yeah. I'm, I think that's a very, very unpopular opinion. I, I don't think a lot of actors could have handled that like he did. I'm, I'm a little upset that we didn't get the original actor who was supposed to play Freddie Mercury, and that cool. was Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't know if I would have liked that. I think it would have been fucking I think tremendous. Too, I think he's too tall for Freddie, number one. That's, I mean, physicality, whatever. Like, that, that aspect of, like, unless it's, like, ridiculous. I mean, you can shoot Sasha Baron Cohen in such a way. I think he has, I think he has the vibe. He has the better vibe. Uh, maybe, um, maybe. I would say, and I know you haven't seen it, but I think it's a toss-up between Vigo, for, of these nominees, of, uh, of Vigo uh, and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, from from what I've seen, uh, I mean, I really, I really thought that uh, that Rami Malek did a good job, but I, uh, I gotta go with Vigo here. Uh, that's just yes. that's me. I, I yeah, I, I'm I'm 100 there for it. I think uh, so, and I know that the Academy thought they were going to have a hundred more chances to nominate this guy, but you know the fact that Chadwick Boseman, who is arguably one of the best leading man performances in any superhero movie ever is not nominated is wild yeah i th- i think that uh i think it's it's tough it's it's tough because i you know when it comes to superhero things i, I know it's it's i know it's kind of like almost stuck in that horror aspect of like well yeah. are we really gonna are we really gonna and nominate this the fact that black panther got a best picture nominee yeah, uh, nomination did, yeah. It's a hell of an accomplishment, right? Like tough year though for acting. Tough year for it, get, it is. You know? It is. It absolutely is. Nobody really for best actress, right? So let's say Vigo's our, our best actor winner right now. This is definitely a year we're gonna. There's a ton of great movies in, in this year um, that we'll absolutely visit. So best supporting actor Mahershala Ali wins. Uh, other nominees are Adam Driver in Black Klansman, Sam Elliott in The Star is Born, Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me, and friend of the show, Sam Rockwell, for playing George W. Bush in Vice. Mm. <laughs> this is another absolutely stacked category. Yeah. 
Like this, this is a year where they're, I feel like if they were like, we're going to, you know, the acting nominees can be up to 10. I'd be like, you're, you're damn right. More nominees. Well, let me ask you a question now, because now I yeah. feel like this is kind of reversed a little bit. Do you think Ali won because, because of the way some of these movies were nominated? Like there was a lot of, you know, racism, racist tones in movies. Do you think that, that Ali got a, got a nod because of that reason? Maybe slightly. That's probably part of it, but I mean, it's a great performance and he had just won. I think I find that you're more likely to win an Oscar after you've won an Oscar. Yep. Okay. So like if someone feels like it's safe to not like your, your first win probably isn't going to have going to be either like a weird year or like an incredible breakout performance. And he had that in Moonlight and now it's like, oh, he's one of our people, so we can we can vote for him. Where up to this point, like Adam Driver was not as established. Sam Elliott's excellent in The Star Is Born, but it is a smaller role. You know, he's like he has you know that that meme obviously where he's like you know, uh, looking back in his car and he's got tears inside. That's like a genuinely moving scene in A Star Is Born. So like that, but he's not in as much. Richard E. Grant again, great actor, like one of my favorite character actors. But he's you know not a huge name. And Sam Rockwell, he, I think was it the next year that three billboards. Yep, yep. I still haven't seen yeah. that. I want to see that. Yeah, he's he's great in that, and he's great obviously in everything. But he he just kind of wasn't there yet. So I think a lot of it more so than yeah this racial stuff. It's happened. And again, I want to shout out Black Panther again. I keep going back to it, but like Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther is incredible. Uh, you know, it's there's there's a lot of a lot of great performances this year. Yeah, for sure. So that's I mean, that's really all the categories we can really delve into with this movie. I'm I'm by the way, I'm pretty much a hundred percent. With the three performances I've seen in this, I'd be a hundred percent okay with any of uh, Ali Driver or Elliot winning. Not going to argue with Marsha Ali. Like I said, the performances of this movie are excellent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's here's a, a huge question though. What are you eating with this movie? Oh, I mean KFC, and I'm going to fold up a pizza like a calzone and eat that yeah, as well. Saying, are you eating KFC? Are you eating pizza? I'm going to eat both. Are you eating- are you eating like seafood? Like at the end? Are you- nah, fuck the seafood. No, fuck the seafood. Is, is there anything on this planet than going to KFC and eating some hot fried chicken in the middle of winter? I I, I want to ask people: Do you seriously think there's anything better than that? I think here here's here's what I'm gonna say. I'm, I'm gonna, KFC is fine. The chocolate cake's like, I know, I know. Good. <laughs> Good fried chicken, like excellent fried chicken. You can't beat it. K- KFC from Kentucky from 1962 or whenever this movie takes place, radically different than the KFC you get up the street today. You know, in you know, in uh, New England. Oh man, I want KFC right now. I would, I would blend that batter and just drink it. I mean, I don't know if I would, but it's. You know, yeah, it's know actually, you know, it's, you it. I'm going to be honest with you. What I just said, I think it sounds disgusting. I don't know yeah, why I even said uh, it. Yeah. Like chicken skin. Sometimes smoothies. I just don't think when I speak and that's just part yeah. of my personality. I mean, a chicken skin smoothie. Sure. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> uh, 
So now we come to the most important, vital part of the show. And that is when we put 30 seconds on the clock. And Derek, you tell us why this is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? I think I could sum it up in two words. I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen. Vigo. I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you in the middle here. It's not I had a lot more to say, Rick. I don't know why know. you cut me off. Here, here's the thing. Vigo Mortensen's also in other movies. No, he's not. He is. <laughs> oh, he is? We're doing one in a couple of weeks. Which Maybe one are we doing? You can use your remaining 18 oh, yeah. seconds uh, to tell us why this Vigo Mortensen is better than other Vigos. Okay. I, I continue the clock. I'll do 18 seconds. Go. Vigo Mortensen, he he this is I think this might be his best performance of all time. He is so incredible. I don't even think he's Italian. Every nuance, every word, every expression, face expression, he is unbelievable. This is an incredible performance. Great movie. I loved it. All right, excellent. Uh, basically 28 seconds, we'll call it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a good movie. Sort of taking myself, I mean, we I'm sort of thinking about the it in ways that I probably wouldn't be because we're doing it for the show and we need stuff to talk about. So I was probably thinking about it differently. If I had seen it like you did, just like I threw it on one afternoon, or if anyone does or and watches it, it's a great watch. Yep. So I'm glad you liked it, Rick. I, I'm glad I did too. I'm glad I, did I was a little I was, nervous. I was a little nervous because I, I always have a, like, you know, if I'm really into a movie and I bring it in and you hate it or something like that, it's just like, ah, uh, but I figured you'd like it at least a little bit. So yeah. I'm like, no, there's, like, there's, yeah, there's a lot to like about the movie. Uh, like I said, I think the worst thing that happened to this movie is it won Best Picture and now everyone's looking at it like, this one Best Picture? Like, we have to, like, we have to now look at it in this way. Wow. But, you know that that just you know there's there's some, there's it's a great movie it's a fun movie let's talk about what we have coming up for the rest of november and into december so next week we said it before our 60th movie that we've covered and that is harry potter and the sorcerer's stone and we are having my lovely wife jen barrasso on the show for that one our new celebrity indeed uh following week we kick off december and that is the lord of the rings the return of the king and we of course are welcoming back joe boynton to the show holy fuck what other show out there about movies does a harry potter and lord of the rings back to back you're welcome people you're welcome i mean there's probably been a couple they're like not totally like big fantasy anyway uh <laughs> following week we start our we start a series on Christmas movies. We get, we get three Christmas movies right in a row. And we start it. Well, two of them. Are they Christmas movies? Are they? We're going to figure it out. I may have a guest for Die Hard. I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Okay. So maybe we'll have a guest. We don't know. And that is going to be Die Hard, of course. Um, the following week, we're welcoming Kitty Swan back back to the show. For the nightmare before Christmas. Is that a Christmas movie or is it a Halloween movie? Oh man. We're gonna figure it out. And then uh for our Christmas week episode, 
we're having a movie. We're having Gia on the show. Derek's lovely wife, Gia, back on the show. And we're going to talk about a movie that is definitely a Christmas movie. We don't do too Christmas many comedies. Vacation. This is this will be a fun this, one. Yeah, Christmas Vacation. This is going to be a this is going to be a fun few weeks coming up. So that's what we get coming up. We hope you enjoyed our episode in Green Book. We hope you're looking forward to the stuff we have coming up. I have been your co-host, your beloved co-host, the co-host you want to drive around through the deep south, so I can go to places. And- this song should have been fucking called Drive. What's that? This movie should have been called Drive. Yeah, the, you know what? The, <laughs> the actual title of the movie is I don't I don't know. I, I again one of those things where that doesn't really work for me. But uh, nitpicky. But anyway, I'm the guy you want to drive around the deep south and eat fried chicken with. Your beloved co-host Rick Barrasso, and I, the extraordinary big green books booksky. Books, books key. Keep watching, everybody. <laughs>